Welcome to another episode of the Around the Keg podcast, your one-stop shop for hot takes and cold beer. I'm your host, Whit Barfield, joined as always by my co-hosts, Matt and Lando, along with our tech producer, Keys. This week, we talk about the IndyCar race in Nashville, the passing of Bobby Bowden, and our reactions to the coaches poll that was released this week. Hope y'all enjoy. Who blew it on on Sunday? Uh, what was that guy's name? Uh, in the golf, in golf, I know that was very. Oh, Harris English, absolutely. Harris English, absolutely blew it, and, and yeah, so, that was that was like a bad blew it. The two double bogeys on par threes, yeah, and then hit a bogey on a par four that was a, a, a one of the only like birdieable la- uh, holes on the back nine, and and he bogeyed it. So it ended up not even making the playoff. It was a three three man playoff, and Abraham answered one, I believe. I didn't get to watch the actual. It happened live because I was at work, but I watched the replay of it on Monday, and I was sitting here watching it. And like, man, Abe answer was he was what fifteen under, and uh, Harris English was he was what 20, 20 under. So he he really he blew it. Uh, DeChambeau collapsed, and there was somebody else in there who 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 kind of collapsed. Was it Matsuyama? Kind of kind of fell off too at the end. Matsuyama was in the playoff. I don't know that he fell he was off. In the playoff? He, he had a couple of, of putts that would have actually ended up making him the winner that he missed late in the round. Um, so there was that. I don't remember him really blowing it. DeShambo, he really blew it. But no, I don't think any of them were as bad as Harris English because he was a wire, wire, wire to wire leader. And the next thing you know, uh, I, I look up and shank into the pond. And on a par three, and then it was like, all right, well, no worries. He's a pretty mentally tough guy. Two holes later, par three, shank into the water. Just rough, rough, rough day for Harris English. He was a Georgia player, wasn't he, Whit? Yeah, he was. Um, I think I actually remember him being at Georgia. Um, it, it wasn't any time recent, but um, it was a while ago. And he was, he was a really good player. Um, he actually, I think, won... I believe it was his first tournament earlier this year in a playoff. Um, I think it was against the amateur too. I can't remember his name exactly, but he's had a, he's had a really good season. I think he's a guy that uh, might be coming on a little bit in the golf world, um, even though he's he's a little bit older and not as young like some of the big time up and comers. But he's uh, he's looking pretty good. I'm going to save my little spiel for my pouring out, but congratulations to Abe Answer. You know why I'm happy about that. I'll save that for later. Oklahoma player. Yes. Yes. Sooner. <laughs> yeah, that was uh that was cool. Uh the, I was I was happy to see uh, Abe answer win because I, I don't think that he he's a guy that's I feel like he's kind of an under the radar guy. Uh but he's always seems to be in the mix on these Sunday tournaments that aren't majors. You'll hear his name near the top of the leaderboard a lot on Sundays and uh I, it, it was cool to see somebody like that win. Yeah, the last time he he was close on a Sunday was at Quail Hollow, I think, and he lost out to uh, was it? It was either Justin Thomas or Jordan Spieth, one of those two guys. He he lost out to one of those two guys, came in second. So that was the last time he's actually been pretty close on a Sunday at kind of a major, not a major championship, but a a pretty good golf tournament. 
Yeah, obviously, uh, Sunday that was that was the cool side of Sunday. the The more depressing side of Sunday was the Bobby Bowden news that broke on 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 on. I guess that was was that Saturday night or Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, it was a um, Saturday night, Sunday morning. I, I, my, th- this whole weekend was a blur, man. So Saturday morning, that was that was really sad. I'm obviously none of us are really huge Florida State fans or anything, but Bobby Bowden was bigger than the sport and. You know, as a college football podcast, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't even mention him. Obviously, I've got got a little more to say about it in my poor one out, but uh, you know, it, it was it was still it was really cool to see how the college football world reacted to a guy like that. Um, hearing of his passing and like the stories that came out of it, like the Nick Saban story that came out where when his father had passed away, Bobby Bowden was at West Virginia at the time. And he called Nick Saban, who was a GA at Kent State. Like, Nick Saban was a nobody, really, at the time. He's a GA at Kent State. Bobby Bowden knew Nick Saban's dad because he had recruited that West Virginia area uh, pretty well. And uh, gives Nick Saban a call and says, hey, man, like, I know your mom might be going through it right now and kind of struggling. So if if you need to come back closer to home, I've got a spot for you on on my staff. Like didn't really know him. He's just an unknown GA, and he gets an offer to go work with Bobby Bowden at, at West Virginia. So that just talks about the kind of person that Bobby Bowden was. Yeah, and to to go along with that college football aspect, think about where he took uh, Florida State from. Like he took over a very mediocre program, very very mediocre, and brought them to you know. Uh, prominence in, in college football winning two national championships the last one being in 1999 and you know I, I i realized this but i i didn't really sink in until someone said it that he he coached at florida state for a long time like he, he was there until 2009 like that's a long time coaching at a program so you know he, he hate that for his family you hate it for florida state and you hate it for college football uh obviously uh, a staple in college football and uh Condolences to his family. 33 years as a head coach and one losing season, and it was his first one ever. And prior to him taking over the program, Florida State had won four games in the past three years combined. I mean, like, just the, the, what he did for Florida State was, it, it'll never be done again. Like, especially in this age of college football and where everything's going, uh, you know, Florida State was a quintessential middle-of-the-road Power 5 program. They were nothing. They were nobody. I mean, it was they, they were just little old Florida State. And then next thing you know, they're competing for national championships. And then he wins two in the 90s. So, I mean, poor, prayers to the family. But, but what, a, what a spectacular person. Obviously, that I, I don't know personally, but but from all the stories, spectacular person, phenomenal coach. Uh, so the the college football world was definitely affected by that news this past weekend. Like you guys were saying, like none of us are really Florida State fans. Um, all of us were pretty young during his coaching tenure, so it's not like we really got to know him, even just through media or anything, until after his career was already over. But if you just see how the college football world has responded to his death and the things they say about him, it is just unbelievable. He just seems like one of the greatest coaches to ever live um, as a person and um, on the field as well, uh, winning the national championships that he did. Um, and Josh Pate said it on his show, it's incredible to see a guy who has won so many national championships and everybody that says anything about him, all they do is talk about 
what a great person he is. No one even brings up the accomplishments. So that uh, that really speaks volumes to the type of guy he was, and it's uh, it's sad to see him go for sure. Speak for yourself, man. I'm knife. I'm I'm old. I, I saw this dude in the Sugar Bowl against Georgia in like 2002. That was like one of the first major bowl games that I really remember was the Georgia Florida State Sugar Bowl in 2002 and I remember my I watched it with my grandpa and uh he was talking about you know what it, what the personality of Bobby Bowden and I remember this vividly watching those interviews and thinking like you know I had family in Florida and he did not seem like a Floridian like he had this big southern charm personality about him that I even picked up on as a young kid. I was nine at the time, and that, and, but, but, yeah, my old behind remembers Bobby Bowden. <laughs> I'll be honest; I don't think I remember any football games from when I was under ten years old. So that that surprises me a little bit. But the, uh, I think the earliest football I can look back upon is probably like I remember some games, you know, from like kind of later two thousands, early two thousand tens, like I think two thousand five was the first year I actually paid attention to it a little bit, but I don't think I, I can remember full season starting in like 2012. See how, how old were you in 2005? You put them at oh, eight. Oh gosh. Eight or nine. Yeah. That's that, math. yeah. that, that, that was me. That was me in 2002 or 2001 season. <laughs> that, the 2001 season, the 2002 sugar bowl. So I was, I was eight. So that was really the first season I paid attention to college football and you know, the the Sugar Bowl that year just happened to be uh, Georgia and, and Florida State, so I, I remember that one pretty vividly. I don't remember the game that much. I remember a lot of the players, um, but I, I remember Bobby Bowden and it being such a big deal. And Mark Rick was like in his second or third year. I don't remember. I don't. I I, I don't remember. He was a young tenured coach at Georgia at the time, and he had the the whole storyline that I remember being around it was mentor Bobby Bowden to the young Mark Richt and now Mark Richt faces the old the old master uh and and Mark Richt had a, a big appreciation for Bobby Bowden because of the kind of the man that he was and uh so just definitely the outpouring of support for the man that he was has, has been really cool to see definitely let's stay on this college football topic the uh coach's poll came out today I don't know if you guys saw or had a chance to look at it but here's the top 10 you got I'm gonna start at 10 a little more dramatic. You got Cincinnati at 10, North Carolina, Iowa State, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Georgia, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, and Alabama. How are you guys feeling about this coaches poll that came out today? I think it's, you know, it's preseason coaches poll, so honestly it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, you know. But yeah, it's it's, it's pretty it's, it's something to, to talk about. It's, it's pretty chalk to me. I mean, it's – I like that they had Oklahoma at three because I feel like usually they just stick Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State as a top three no matter what, just in any order, however they feel best to put them. I like that they have Alabama at one as well because even though I don't really think – Alabama doesn't return a lot of players. When you look at their preseason roster, you don't go like, oh, here we go. Here's the all these players returning, this whole system returning. Like Alabama's going to win again. They're just looking at it as the, as the fact of like Alabama won the championship last year. Alabama's always really good. How can you not have Alabama at one? And I really like that kind of respect they give to Nick Saban in Alabama. I think that's kind of how they, it should be to start the season. Um, and then same with Clemson. I mean, they're they're good every single year. 
they bring back a lot of players. Dabo Sweeney is probably the second best coach in college football behind Nick Saban. Um, I'm I'm good with it. Georgia at five, I like um, behind Ohio State. I think Ohio State brings a lot of people back. Uh, only thing I'm a little iffy on. I'm not as high on UNC as a lot of people are. I think they will be really good. But I just don't really see them as a top ten team. I could see them being in the top ten by the end of the year just because of their schedule. But I don't really think they have a ton coming back on offense. They they lose a lot of guys. They bring in transfer Ty Chandler, and they still have Sam Howell. Besides that, I don't really see where a lot of the hype's coming from. Yeah, my my biggest like shock to the system, and this this team isn't in the top ten, but my biggest shock was LSU at thirteen after the season they had last year. I I I think thirteen is being a little generous uh for for LSU. I would I could see them kind of more uh maybe down in that 19 20 ish range, maybe 21 or something like that, but but 13, that's 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 getting close to the top 10. That's generous. That's very generous. Yeah, I I I don't put a lot of stock in these coaches polls and preseason polls because of that reason alone. And there's always a team that's more near the bottom of this list that at the end of the year, we're going to look back and be like, oh, we probably should have seen them being higher. And, and like, you know, I don't know. To me, LSU is a little high. Even, I mean, Notre Dame, I I don't really see them as the seventh best team in the country. Obviously, they bring the name brand. They play in the ACC. They're probably going to win most of their games because the ACC is really down right now. But, I mean, overall, I don't, I don't have a lot of problem with it. I think the top six is is. You know, in, in you could put solid. that top six uh, in in pretty much any order, and I would say, yeah, those are probably going to be the top six teams at the end of the at the end of the season in in some way, shape, or form. Uh, with you know the the question mark, I think of that group being is A and M for real this year. I think they are. So. I am still up in the air on A&M simply because they're not bringing back Kellen Mond. Now, I hate Kellen Mond. I can't stand the guy. I think I think they could do a lot better at quarterback, but we haven't seen who their starting quarterback is, and he doesn't have any significant playing time. So that's going to be the biggest deciding factor for Texas A&M. If they can get a quarterback in there that is just a touch better than Kellen Mond, I think Texas A&M could be very, very scary. Dude, I am totally with you. But I think as if I was a Texas A&M fan, I would be more happy than upset that Kellen Mond is not coming back. Yes. Because I think with Kellen Mond, you knew what you were going to get with Texas A&M. You were going to be – now I know they ended five last year, could have ended four. But you're going to be a you know B-plus, A-minus team. Even, no matter how good the team is around Kellen Mond, he can only do so much for you. So at this – I think it's Hayes King or Haynes King – He's going to end up being their starter. If this guy ends up being a superstar or at least just better than Kelamon and can make more plays than Kelamon could, this could be a team that honestly, in my opinion, could end up knocking off Alabama and winning the West and potentially winning the whole SEC as like a top ceiling. I'm not making that prediction or anything right now, but they have the team coming back to do it. They have all the pieces around them. They have the defense around him to do it. It's just going to depend on the quarterback. Now, that being said, he could also come in and be absolutely terrible and make them even worse than they were last year, because Kellen Mond, even though he wasn't great, he was still he was steady. Yeah, and he wasn't gonna, he wasn't going to lose you a lot of games, but he wasn't going to exactly. win you a lot of games either. So I think uh, it's all going to come down to the quarterback position, and I don't think that that happens like a ton in college football. It's not like it's usually the color like the quarterback is the most important position, but it 
I think this is more crucial than any I've, any team I've ever seen for the quarterback to end up being good for Texas A and M. So you know, what I'm about to, to say, say, I think six is perfect for him. What I'm about to say is probably going to make Matt very angry, but I'm going to say it anyway. If Texas A&M had a quarterback that wasn't Kellen Mond last year that could do more than just ah, that, don't, don't you start shaking your head. If they had a quarterback that could do more than just not lose you games, but but actually go out there and and, and put a team on his back, they beat Alabama. What you gonna you gonna sit there and shake your head? Not even you gonna you gonna sit there and shake your head? Year, not even close. La- oh, last, last year, not even close, dude. Look, not, not even year. close. Not even close. Are you too close? It would be close. It would be closer than no. it was. I mean, okay. it was pretty pitiful. No, I'm is- not saying I'm not saying Texas A&M would go out there and, and and wipe the floor with with Alabama. I'm just saying that game would have been close and they could have beat them. No, it wouldn't. Have oh, been, not, no, no. Uh, but this is also coming from the same people that told me last year, two games wow. into the season, that Texas A&M wasn't the best, second best program in the SEC West that year. So, uh, you know, I I don't even want to hear it from you guys. I was I was Texas A and M is the second best program in the West from the get go last year. You're like, no, y'all, you're crazy. So I don't want to hear Fair any point. of that. Uh, and and Fair that point. was with Kellen Mond as their quarterback, who I think was underappreciated in a lot of ways because he had games where he put the team on his back and won, i.e., Florida. Um, now. Did it was oh, it's Florida? Was, was he, who cares? Now, it's Florida. Uh, I mean, I think, I think Florida's defense won Texas A and M that game. That, thank honest. you, but, but, thank but you. Kellen Mond had to make the throws to to, to do it. Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond had a great game. I and, completely agree. With and you. and now Kellen Mond was he inconsistent? Yes, but you're, you're, there ain't no way, no way with any quarterback last year different than Kellen Mond was that game against Alabama going to be any closer. Alabama, Alabama set the tone in that game no, early and often, and it, I don't think that it would have made a difference. I think it would have been closer. I don't. I, I, do, I don't okay, think it would have been twenty-one instead of twenty-eight. Excuse me. I think. I think it would have been closer. Like I, I it could have been like a two-touchdown game, maybe ten-point game at best if they had like a superstar Heisman level quarterback. Yeah, I'm talking. I, I mean, that's oh. what that's what I'm saying. Like if Justin Fields played for. Uh, or Trevor okay. Lawrence. Oh, all right, all right. right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying. going that far. I'm not going that far. I'm just saying if they had, uh, like a, I don't know, what's a good who was a good quarterback last year? Not like super Heisman, Justin Fields level, but who was a good quarterback last year that you know? Mac Jones. <sighs> all right, let's, let's let's all right, let's move on. Kyle Trask, Kyle Trask. Let's move on. Kyle Trask was a okay. great quarterback last year. Okay, yeah. All right. All right. See, so if they had Kyle Trask, trash, sorry. Kyle Trash. His last name. <laughs> Kyle Trash. If they had Kyle Trash, then yeah, all right. I, that game's that game's closer than Matt wants to believe. Don't let him lie to you. Don't don't let if him lie. Being, to you. If we're being honest though, by the end of the year, I think Texas A&M was playing a lot better anyway. So I think if you had Texas A&M play Alabama in that playoff game, it would have been way better than it was the first time. I'm not saying A&M would have had a chance to win. But I am saying I, I I think it could have been a two touchdown double digit kind of game, not like a three touchdown four touchdown kind of game. Alabama was better than everybody last year, though. Alabama yeah, was the okay, best team I, last year. I'm, I'm not disagreeing they were, with that. They were I'm, unbelievable. They were they were, uh, they were one of the best college football teams of all time. I'm not gonna say they're the best, but they were they're probably top five or so best college football team of all time. On any given sure. on, on any on any given Saturday with the quarter with a quarterback the caliber of Kyle Trash. All right. It could have happened. That's what I'm saying. No, I, I'm. I may. I'm. I. I don't even think. Okay, this year maybe. Here's the one thing that I that I realized about Alabama that that 
the media has just kind of like ignored completely about this year. We're returning eight of 11 starters on defense. Oh, congratulations. Don't you worry. You want a cookie? I read all about it. No, no. You want I mean, you, you, like you a medal? Something that's been completely ignored overall. It's like, oh, but look at all the things that they've lost on offense. Well, it, we're returning eight of 11 on defense, a defense that was much improved last year, by the way. Yeah. Matt, did you see that Alabama is ranked number one? I did yeah, see exactly. that. I did see that. But you know what? That's <laughs> rat poison. That is called rat oh my poison. God. He's over here. He's over here talking about how the media doesn't give know, Alabama right? enough respect. They don't give for us their enough defense. Credit. No, 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 no. I'm not, and they're I'm literally not ranked number one in the preseason. I, I'm not saying they you don't can't give be us ranked respect. higher than one, I, Matt. I am not saying that they don't give us respect. I'm not saying that. That at all. is I'm just that is the Alabama privilege right there. That that's that's the that's the staple of all Alabama fans. They don't give us any credit. I never they, said they, they the, give media, us any credit. the media, the media, this, the media, that. I, I have just said that the one question mark that they keep plopping on us, and I feel like I've even been in that situation. Where like, yeah, man, we are we are return we are we did lose a lot last year. Not even thinking we returned an eight of eleven on defense. Oh, eight of eleven. Oklahoma's returning and and bring in uh, Henry Toe to yeah, play middle linebacker from, from Tennessee. Who? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, from Tennessee. He was the best oh, linebacker in the SEC last yeah. year. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's good. He's good. Absolute stud. Yeah, Alabama's gonna suck this year. <laughs> I yeah. hate you. Absolutely no way. You. <laughs> no way they get any higher than where they're at right now in the coaches' poll. I just no find it. Oh no, no, no. I know. I, I'm not saying that there's not. They're not giving Alabama respect. I'm just. I don't know. I think but, it's fun. It's funny that every year it's the oh, but you know this is the year that so and so is gonna beat them. This is the year that, and then this year it just happens to be that this is the year that A and M is gonna be the team that beats them. Okay, Matt, you're talking all that now. Just wait until you know Alabama wins five games this upcoming season, and your face gonna get, gonna be gonna can be I just all say, cracked. Can I just say one thing? Can I just say one thing? The fact that you two are arguing over Alabama once again, so happy, just just warms my heart because it makes me know that college football season is upon us. We are oh, it's so very close. close. We are so close. We are just a couple weeks away from Georgia playing Clemson, LSU playing UCLA, Alabama playing Miami. I have no idea who Oklahoma's playing to start the year. It's going to be an awesome week. I can't wait for it. Labor Day is coming up. I think Oklahoma's playing like the Lincoln College of the Blind. I think it's Tulane or something. <laughs> yeah, close something. enough. I think I think it's Tulane. I, I remember enough. making a statement about how it was a, yeah, close a, a cupcake team. Well, I mean, you know, the SEC hey. plays cupcake cu- cupcake teams like at the it's, end of the year, so you know you can't even can't even talk crap about that. Uh, in the coaches' poll, Georgia only plays two ranked teams all season as of now. So, Yo, but I'm not, I mean, not going to talk much crap. I'm not talking much crap. Out of out of everybody in that top ten, Clemson easily has the the easiest schedule out of everybody in the top oh, ten. I mean, sure. talk about cakewalk. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you got to be kidding me. I made fun of Georgia's schedule, but Clemson's schedule is a complete joke. It's horrible. It's really horrible. Hey man, they if they get, play if they get by Georgia and lose a game after that, they do not at all deserve to be in the playoff. No way. Even if they beat Georgia, in my opinion. Alabama I mean, their actually, schedule is absolutely atrocious. Alabama actually has a pretty tough schedule this year overall. At Florida, at AM, Miami. Miami. Ole open. Miss. Ole Miss is 25 in the coaches' poll right now. Yeah, Ole Miss is 25. Uh, yeah. LSU. It's 13. It's 13. Uh, Plays I mean, at Auburn, which is always tough. At Auburn's tough. At Mississippi State is never a fun environment to play in, because especially yeah, if they're yeah, they're gonna suck. They're gonna suck, but the stupid cowbells. I just, I, I, I hate, I hate that, I hate that place. I hate 
I hate I hate that place. It's awful. It's a lot like a uh, uh, stool water uh, when they had those paddles and they and they beat them against the uh, those pads. Oh, it's just, oh, I hate it. It's the most annoying thing of I can't stand it. Can't see what's, stand it. See what's funny is Alabama has actually set up the worst to win the SEC this year. They probably have like the toughest schedule in the SEC. But the fact that they're Alabama and they're the best team in the SEC, everybody looks at it and they're like, this is an undefeated schedule. Even oh, though they're it? playing number six, number, I think Miami's 11. Or no, what are they? Florida's like 11. And we're at Florida's Florida. 11. The Swamp's yep. not a fun place to play in. At Kyle Field, who's number six. That's going to be the one of the games of the year. It is. Sure. I mean, it, it, it's a Saturday night in in College Station. That's going to be a nasty, nasty game. That's going to be a tough game. You know, I think if Georgia, not counting playoffs and conference championships, if Georgia-Clemson is not the game of the year, it's going to be Texas A&M. Alabama, all dependent upon the quarterback, like we were saying before. Now, now, my question is: is why are we getting Alabama Miami again? Uh, who 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 made that decision? I think Miami's going to be sneaky good this year. Who who made who 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 thought that that would be that would be a good game? What do you Come mean again? Did, they, did it, they play recently? Well, they they make they make these they make these college the Chick Fil A kickoffs. I think they made it like four years ago when Miami was in the ACC championship against Clemson and. Miami is a big brand, even even if it's not necessarily like you know the biggest. They're, they're a top fifteen brand in college football. Uh, the U still sells. Uh, it'll be interesting. I'd love to go to that game, but tickets are stupid. Well, I bet they are. And well, it, yeah, I mean, Alabama. it's Alabama Miami. Like you say, Miami's a top fifteen brand. I think I'd put Miami as like a top ten brand. I mean, they're, a, oh, they're easily a, a top ten brand. They're a solid blue blood program. And even though they haven't been, you know, competing for national championships or anything recently, they're still, I mean, what, what teams, what programs are you going to put ahead of them right now and where they're at? I mean, a lot of people give them a lot of crap. They're like, Miami's not back. They're not competing, but they've ended in the top 15, what, since pretty much every single year since Mark Rick's been there and and switched over to Manny Diaz. And they've won a national championship more recently than Georgia, so they're definitely. <laughs> that yeah, but so is Colorado. So you can't. That just doesn't. Work. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so while, while, while we're on Miami, real quick. I mean. <laughs> while we're on Miami, um, did y'all see Derek King signed an NIL deal? It's the quarterback. In case you don't know, it's the quarterback for Miami. Derek King signed an NIL deal with the Florida Panthers, an NHL team. Now what's now what does the deal entail? What is he like? I think he's just can marketing you, for the team, up? like on his social media. I don't know. I saw that the other day. Though. I was like, why in the world is a hockey team well, paying a college football player to market their team? Well, because when you're, in Miami, when you're in Miami, Florida, you're not in the most lucrative hockey market, but you are in a very beloved that's – a, that's a college team program that's very loved. So you put the face of that team as, to market your hockey team, and you say, hey, like try and get people to go there. That's the whole idea. That'd be like, you know, whenever the Hawks are terrible, they'll have Dansby Swanson waving a Hawks flag every now and then yeah. just to, you know. From this article, it says, uh, King will appear at a Panthers game, work with the social media and marketing teams, develop co-branded merchandise, and a concessions menu item at BB&T Center. This dude is literally going to get paid to go to NHL hockey games. Dude, does he? I just wish he would know how much money I spent on going to Predators games this past year. And I'm sure <laughs> I went to a playoff game. An absurd amount. If somebody would have paid me to go to an NHL hockey game, oh my gosh, man, I'd be rolling in dough. Derek King got hurt at the end of last year, didn't he? What, what, what's his injury status like? He should be good to go from what I've heard. He's supposed, 
Yeah, for, I, I'm pretty sure he's 100% full go for the Alabama game. I think that was announced last week. I think he tore his ACL early enough on that he was able to recover, and I think he's been practicing at everything. Yeah, he's 100%. It was like so right that, after they got smacked by Clemson that he got hurt, I'm pretty sure. So it was now, like week five or six or seven. We all know Alabama's kryptonite when it comes to the type of quarterbacks they play. It's That's those mobile-type quarterbacks that can kind of give you a little something – through the air. So I'm not saying I'm not saying Miami is gonna come in there and beat Alabama. I'm just saying he may give them a little a little a little kick in the butt for the first quarter and then they'll figure him out. I just would like to note that that that, that narrative, Justin Fields last year. He was hurt. Excuses. Don't shake your head. Just, look, Justin Don't Fields shake your is head. slow. Justin Fields is slow, which is why Kirby Smart let him go, and why uh, Jake Fromm started a quarterback. So yeah. don't yeah. see you shake your head. We all saw that hit that Justin Fields took. Oh yeah, you know, Justin like, Fields. Justin Fields was hurt. I don't. They never really came out and said anything about it. Yeah, he was. He was playing hurt. He was playing hurt. I he t- he took a huge said, shot against I Clemson. They said he had some fractures or something. Yeah, he 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 was he was he was playing hurt. So I don't want to hear that hear man had more broken ribs than Drew Brees did in the playoffs last year. Yeah. More than Drew Brees is a stretch, but I, I'm sure he was hurt. <laughs> but the whole narrative of the mobile quarterbacks giving Alabama fits, Kellen Mond, you know, well. Oh, that, yeah, I, we tw- all know how I feel tw- about Kellen Mond, so I'm not going to entertain that. 28-point win. You were just singing Kellen Mond's praises earlier. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so not you going I back wasn't on that singing now? Kellen Mond's praises. I was just saying that I feel like that, that he was like – while he was inconsistent, he had games where he was really good. I heard the words. He seems really underrated, underappreciated. That's that's what I heard too. No, you said I heard. Underrated. I heard you said he should have won the Heisman last year. Matt. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're just putting words in my mouth. <laughs> nah, but this has been great, man. Like I, I, this time of year, I mean, we're like what three weeks away officially. Today? Yeah, September fourth. I think. Well, I think August yep, 31st. Labor Day weekend. Labor Day, Labor Day August weekend. August 31st is like the first One, two, kickoff three. game, I believe. Three weeks from Saturday is the yeah. first. The first. Okay, so the first games are before that, but three weeks from Saturday is when the big teams all kick off. It's when the Chick-fil-A kickoff game is. It's when the Mayo Classic is going to be. And uh, I'm going to Charlotte for it, and I'm super excited. I cannot wait to get down there. And Charlotte's hosting college game, game day. day for the first time, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to be That's going to be really sick. I'm going to the Ole Miss Louisville game that Monday. It should be a blowout. Um, <laughs> yeah, Louisville's pretty good this year, so they are. They're, they're, they're probably good. It should be a blowout still, in theory. Depends on. It'll be a blowout. Ole Miss's Ole Miss's defense is going to be interesting because, like, a lot of I, I've watched a lot of Lane Kiffin's uh, press conferences, and they obviously it's been the elephant in the room in every press conference is how bad it's been. But he's addressed it. He's like, "Yeah, we sucked last year," and We've got to fix it. And the crazy thing to me is, is like, you take, Matt Corral had two games where he had five or more interceptions, Arkansas and LSU, and they lost both of those games by a possession. And you're talking about a seven-win Ole Miss team last year in a 10-game SEC schedule, which is, I never would have thought preseason that that was even possible. Wait, how was the uh, IndyCar race? It was incredible but honestly and, and chad asked me this question too he said how would you compare the indycar race to the nascar race we went to two, two different types of racing yeah and, and that's what i told him too i was like honestly the race experience i enjoyed at nascar more because because where you sit you can see the entire track like mm-hmm. at the indycar race we couldn't we could only see the i think it was like turn 10 yeah we could only see that turn and the little straightaway they were on 
right when they hit that turn, which during the, there's three, there was three races on Sunday. And during the truck race, they had every single, I think it's like a couple half miles or whatever. They had ramps. So the trucks hit like a, so the ramp was right in front of where we were sitting. So when the trucks come around the turn, they get up on one wheel and they kind of turn over like that. And then they, they like skirt a little bit and then they stop and then they hit this ramp going full speed, probably like 150, 180 miles an hour and shoot off into the air as they like keep going with the race. So that, that was super cool. We were all standing right in front of that going absolutely crazy. Uh, but United Rentals, the company I work for sponsors, one of the drivers, his name is yep. Graham, Graham Rahal. Rahal. Yep. Graham Rahal. Graham Rahal. And he is, uh, he's actually a pretty good driver. He's a great dude too. We actually got to uh, go into his hospitality tent and drink with him a little bit and, and uh, talk That's to cool. him and some of the other drivers. Yeah. It was real cool. I met the, uh, I think his name's Brian Rahal. He was, he's the owner of the, of his, that race team. Uh, yeah, Rahal's in the name. His, they had a couple other names in it too. It's, it's like RLL. Dad. Yep. And his dad won the Indy, Indy 500 yeah. in the 80s, I think, like 82. Mm-hmm. And awesome, awesome family. I mean, those, those people are really cool. Uh, we had a good time with them. They traded United Reynolds really well. We had our own suite. Uh, we had free food, free drinks. They had this kind of moonshine sponsor they had. A uh, little stand. They were giving out these like Arnold Palmer moonshine drinks. And it was hmm. just, I probably had about eight or 10 of them by the end of the day. I mean, it was oh, just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I was feeling a big time. We were having a really good time. Uh, Graham ended up coming in fifth. So he he did really well. There's a lot of wrecks. Um, yeah did you know did you actually watch the race yeah i I watched i watched it while i was sitting in the office not doing anything uh (laughs) because i was excited to see what it was like you know uh, because i know they were going over the bridge and stuff like that and actually i i actually kind of got bored of it because there was there was so many wrecks you know and they had they had a red flag and then they ended up having some more wrecks to fix the tire barriers but the end of the race was, was very exciting because uh, Colton Herta was pushing to try and pass. I forget who was in front. And he ended up putting it into the wall and actually kind of messing up his thumb. But uh, the end of the race was exciting. It's just the beginning and kind of middle parts were a little boring. It was very boring. Uh, the beginning and the middle for sure. I honestly think, I think they went, it was either 80 or 82 laps. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure close to half of those laps were ran under caution. Yeah, like it was it was absurd how many wrecks there were. And I actually asked the question too um, to some of the guys that were there that have been to IndyCar races before. Why do they not pave a track? Like, understand they want to they want it to be like authentic road of like where people drive on a normal day to day basis. But the fact that they don't they don't do anything to smooth over the the terrain for the drivers. It's just like plain road that everybody drives yeah, no. on every single day. That's because it's a it's a street course, so yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a lot like how Formula One they race at Monaco. It's a street course, and then um, uh, IndyCar also goes to Saint Petersburg, and that's also a street course. So they're basically racing on the street, so they're not going to pay that. Yeah, see, I I just think that's like extremely unsafe. I mean, I don't I like I I don't really know racing that well, and I told everybody I made sure everybody knew that, so I wasn't asking a bunch of dumb questions. But because in uh, NASCAR, when they do road courses, is that just straight road like where people? Well, that, that that's a difference. Like those yeah. tra- those are those are actual race tracks. So they're gotcha. they're 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 paved they're paved in whatever concrete or, or asphalt. The, NASCAR doesn't race on street courses. They don't go to a city and then block off you know sections of of the street and race on the street. Well, here we are, everybody. Come, welcome to our uh, racing tutoring session going on right here. We're all learning something. 
talking racing. You, you talked about talking Graham Rahal. I, I'll never forget, and I think, Matt, you'll probably remember this, too. I forget the year, but it was the year where Dale Jr. had the National Guard paint scheme, and uh, Graham Rahal also had the National Guard paint scheme. He was coming to the, the checker flag in turn four and walled it. I think he, I think he cut a tire or something and walled it. And then that later that day, Dale Jr. had the same issue, pretty much the same issue, walled it, coming with like maybe three or four laps to go. And I was just thinking how ironic it is that both National Guard cars on Memorial Day wrecked coming to the checkered flag. Yeah, I do remember that. I remember that vividly. And it was, that was like 2007-ish, maybe? No, it was, that was more like, I think it was because Junior was in the 88 cars. I'm thinking it was like 11, 2011. It may have been, it may have been 11. Yeah, I was in high school when it happened. That's why, and, and his first year was, I think, 07 or 08 in the 88. I was thinking it was one of those yeah. early years. 2009 was his first year in the uh, in the 88 car. Was it really? I thought it was earlier than that. No, because he was still in the in the eight car in 2008. Wow. Cause okay. Because they, they were they were switching from the from the car tomorrow to the um, well the from the old to the, the Gen Four car to the car tomorrow. Right. And he was still racing the eight car. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'd, Golly, I was feeling like it was my freshman year of high school, but that 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 sounds about right. Another thing that was really cool that actually happened right in front of our little suite was uh, there was a huge, huge wreck, which wasn't cool at all. I mean, it was it was pretty terrifying. And Jimmy Johnson was in that wreck, and everybody was actually kind of worried. Like everybody I was with was like, "Oh my gosh, that, that was Jimmy Johnson that just got in that wreck." I was like, "Man, I completely forgot he even did IndyCar now." And um, people were kind of like like whispering and stuff, not really knowing what was going on. And I didn't, I didn't even see it at first. And I looked over and then he gets out of his car and kind of like waves at everybody. And the whole crowd goes ballistic. Like everybody goes nuts once they saw that he got out of his car and he was all, he was all good. Yeah. Sad story about Jimmy Johnson is he got disqualified from the race because during that red flag, his team touched the car and, and they DQ'd him. And I was so confused because in NASCAR, like you can't you can't touch the car under a red flag, but you don't get disqualified. You just get like a a stop and go penalty penalty or a pass through penalty. But they they disqualified him. I was like, that's that's rough. Holy cow! Yeah, that is insane. Like just for touching the car. I mean, even if they they didn't even do anything to it, I guess. Yeah, that's... yeah, yeah. Because I mean, obviously, you're not supposed to make like adjustments under a red flag, yeah. and you're not supposed to touch it. But all they did was was just look at the car, and I guess. One of the crew members touched the car, and they were just looking at it to assess the issues that they had. So, sucks, IndyCar. It's just one of those many technicalities in sports where, like, you understand why the rules in place to you know keep people from cheating and whatnot. But in the end, you kind of look at it and you're like, why? Like, why is this happening? Like, yeah, does does this person really deserve to get DQ'd because somebody touched their car? Like, probably not. Honestly, you can understand maybe a little bit of a penalty, but not getting taken out of a full race is just not super fair. And that's talking racing. All right, guys, let's get into our pour one out, cut them off segment. Lando, who are you pouring one out for? Pouring one out for Abraham Anser. Kind of mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Uh, he played golf at the University of Oklahoma. And this past Sunday, he won a PGA Tour golf tournament. Uh, you know, it was after uh, Harris English collapsed, you know, in, in the final round. But nonetheless, he still kept chugging along and did what he had to do to to win a PGA Tour tournament. And for the second week in a row, I'm not cutting anybody off. So everybody is still safe. Next week, though, I'm going to have somebody to cut off. So don't get your hopes up. Matt. 
So I'm pouring one out, as I mentioned earlier, for Bobby Bowden. Um, I feel like as a as a person, Bobby Bowden is, and in, in my career as a coach, Bobby Bowden is definitely somebody that I've always heard to look up to and would aspire to be. Um, you know, great knowledge of the game of football, but even better at building relationships with players. Uh, all of the players that have come out and said something have all had something positive to say about him. Uh, Charlie Ward, Deion Sanders, uh, several guys that that I've I think of as high profile college football players uh, that that have all had positive things to say about Bobby Bowden. So uh, you know, again, prayers for Bobby Bowden and his family as they're going through this this time. And uh, you know, the 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 Terry Bowden I believe is a U- University of Louisiana Monroe. So uh, in the Sun Belt, so prayers to him uh, as he goes back to try and continue the college football season. Um, and then I am cutting off the No Fun League. The NFL released today that they are going to be targeting, penalizing, taunting again. Huh? Again? Again. And to uh, me, it's like, really, why are we going back on this? Like, they really oh. want to make sportsmanship a, a key emphasis. And, and you know... That, to me, this is just the NFL, the No Fun League, coming back in full force. And I, I am over Roger Goodell's reign of terror on that kind of stuff. I think it's ridiculous. These guys are, are multi-millionaire athletes. If, if they want to stun on somebody, let them stun on somebody. I mean, come on, man. This is this is supposed to be football. It's fun. Let, let, them, let them show out. One of the main reasons I watch the NFL on Sunday is just because the players get to celebrate and taunt when they get in the end zone. Like, that's one of the fun things about the NFL that you don't get in college is is the taunting. What the what the heck? That, that actually kind of kind of ruined the rest of my night. Thanks, Matt. <laughs> but uh, cutting cutting off Matt this week for uh, ruining Lando's night. Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know it, yeah. it happens. It happens. Wait, who are you cutting? Who are you pouring one out for? I'm actually going to be pouring one out for the greatest country in the entire world. The U.S. of A., United States of America. I thought you were going to say Sierra I... Leone. Do what? <laughs> Sierra I Leone? You, I thought you were going to say Sierra Leone. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The second best country in the world. But uh, I think this is something that really hasn't been reported on at almost at all. The United States dominated the Olympics. We won overall medals by over 20 medals. We had by far the most gold. We had by far the most silver, and we had by far the most bronze. We weren't by far the most gold. We had one more than China for the most gold. My bad. We also had Caleb Dressel, who was the swimmer, and he had five gold medals, which led the entire field of individual athletes in gold medals altogether. The United States completely dominated the Olympics, and I've actually been really surprised at how little people have talked about the results of how the Olympics ended up this year. Um, so I'm pouring one out for the USA. And uh, I'm also going to be cutting off the Mets for blowing the four and three win or three game lead they had on the Phillies and on the Braves this past week. Uh, they are just playing absolutely terrible. The Grom is hurt right now. Um, so they're they're just really not rolling the way they were to start the season. They traded all these prospects for Javier Baez, who only has one more year on their contract, and he's been just awful since he's gotten there. Uh, besides the one home run he had on opening night, which everybody's been talking about, but um, it's they're just not playing well. The Phillies and the Braves right now are battling for the lead in the division, 
And um, honestly, for me, I'm hoping the Mets just don't even get back into it because uh, even though I hate them just in the sense of they're a Braves rival, I also just hate them because they're just an annoying franchise. So uh, Mets are getting cut off this week. Keys, who you pouring one out for? Sticking with baseball. I'll be pouring one out for Marissa Rohan. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but it's the ball girl for the Dodgers who tackled that uh, fan that ran on the field uh, during the Dodgers-Angels game. So that was really cool to kind of see her make that save. The, the crowd went wild. So pouring one out for her. Good job keeping the peace, even though it's not her job. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to be cutting off Peyton Manning's Hall of Fame bust because they definitely only used about 10% of his forehead in that thing. <laughs> Need to be way bigger on that, but... Uh, I'll do a slight poor one now for, for Peyton Manning as well. Congratulations to him on making the Hall of Fame. Right on cue, Wit. As you talk about the Mets' struggles and their acquisition sucking, Adam Duvall hits a two-run bomb to tie the game in the bottom of the fourth. And just, oh, full-on beauty. But Key's Peyton Manning's speech was phenomenal. It, it, was, I, I, it, it was awesome. He needs to be the next commissioner. When Roger Goodell's done, make Peyton Manning the commissioner. I wouldn't hate that. The Sheriff, Peyton Manning. All right, so if you guys were a defense coordinator, which quarterback would you rather play against, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? Neither. (laughs) (laughs) I would rather play against Peyton Manning, and I honestly think they're just as smart as each other, but Tom Brady has like some kind of weird black magic on his side. Uh, I knew Witt was going to mention the junior. I I can't deal with the black magic. Tom Brady, there's no reason in the world for him to be as good at football as he is right now. I don't. I think no matter how much you take care of yourself, and no matter how smart you are, and how much you study, you literally have to spend every waking moment of your life to putting in an effort to become a quarterback to do what Tom Brady has done right now. And I know there's no way he does that because he's also married to one of the hottest women on the planet, and he has children. So, and I and I know he's a good dad. He's got to be. He's just got. He's just one of those guys who's just like, like I hate you because you're good at everything, and it makes me really mad. So. I, yeah, uh, I would never want to coach against Tom Brady. My coworker said something today that absolutely blew my mind. So Calvin Johnson got inducted into the Hall of Fame this past weekend, and this stat blew my mind. So Calvin Johnson had a whole ass career. He was drafted, retired, and inducted into the Hall of Fame in between Tom Brady's seventh year and and to now. So, Calvin Johnson had a full Hall of Fame career all mushed in between Tom Brady's career, and, and Tom Brady is still playing. Now, Think of, just, just put that into perspective. Calvin Johnson had a short career, though. I mean, that, that it, it is yeah. true. It is true that that happened, which makes it what sounds insane. But Calvin yeah. Johnson retired when he was still – he still had a lot left in the tank. He was, what, early 30s when he retired? Let's see. I don't, even, I don't even think he was that old. He wasn't even that old. No, he, he had like, only played. I want to say that he had only played like eight or nine seasons. Yeah, it was kind of like a like a Barry Sanders situation. Like, uh, of course, you know, playing in, in Detroit. Yeah, he was uh, 31 years old when, when he retired. That, that's, yo- that's young. That's super young. He still had at least probably three or four good years left in the tank. I saw something where he was talking about how he I saw somebody ask him is like, how long after that did you like really mentally cut yourself off? Like, you know, you might retire. You're like, oh, I could still go back out there if I wanted to. And they're like, how, how long until you, you mentally were just like, OK, now I can't. And he was like, honestly, probably like the year after. He's like, once you kind of settle, he said, I was sore all the time. My body hurt. He said, I was done, you know, probably before I stopped playing. 
Calvin Johnson was a different beast, though. Like that nineteen hundred yard season that he had, he was chasing that two thousand. Wow. That was that was unbelievable, unbelievable football. Oh, the best Hall of Fame bust goes to Troy Polamalu because they included his hair. Oh, it looked awesome. It's awesome. His was awesome, and Drew Pearson's afro was awesome. <laughs> yes. They had some good I, busts this year. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they, they didn't look like the Ronaldo one. Then. <laughs> oh, that, oh, the, the, the <laughs> Ronaldo's bust, his, his, uh, like the first bust they, they made for him was horrible. That Absolutely was terrible. dreadful. Something I was kind of thinking about after you just said, um, Landon, you were talking about Calvin Johnson retiring in the midst of Tom Brady's career, like right in the middle of it. Do you guys think that Tom Brady will retire before Aaron Rodgers does? Because honestly, because I mean, he he started, he finally became a starting quarterback well into Tom Brady's career, and I think there's a good chance that Aaron Rodgers retires before Tom Brady does. I actually I think, think Brady's almost done. Like, and and he kind of talked about it on that that barbershop thing that he did, where he was talking about uh, he came out and was saying about how there was a team that contacted him or that he reached out to that he wanted to play for after New England, and they were like, oh, no, we're going to stick with our guy. And he was like, you're going to stick with that mother <laughs> And uh, <laughs> then he even said, like, and I quote, you know, it, it's getting there. Like, every, I always joke, like, I'm going to play till I'm 50, but he's like, I'm I'm starting to get to the point where I'm, I'm just about done. So I could see if, if he was to repeat this year, he's done for sure. But, Matt, what you said is the reason why I think Tom Brady is going to continue playing, like, when he left New England, teams did not want to sign him because he's old. They didn't, and and that pisses him off. It's a lot like when he got drafted. Nobody wanted to draft him, and that's why he's performed so well because he always has that chip on his shoulder. He He's always trying to prove people wrong. So for that very reason, Wit, to answer your question, I think Aaron Rodgers will most certainly retire before Tom Brady. Yes. How can you be the greatest quarterback of all time, have the most Super Bowls, Oh my gosh! And nobody wants you. I I don't, dude. I don't. I don't know what people are thinking, man. I just even. I I don't care if I'm the Falcons GM. Even if I have Matt Ryan, I still would have gone for Brady. He's like, there's just something about him that makes every team better. Always. Like it doesn't even matter who's around him. And yeah, the Bucks had a really good team this year. It wasn't just Brady, but the fact that he played the way he did, um, especially in the playoffs, was just unbelievable. I don't. I can't believe I, I honestly hadn't even heard that. I didn't know there was a team that didn't want him out there. That oh, yeah. is unreal. I bet that team is so pissed off right yeah. now. He literally said he literally said on that on that special that he called them and they said, No, we're gonna stick with our guy. And he said, You're gonna stick with that mother like verbatim. And and I was just like, You've gotta be kidding me, man. And 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 I don't at the same time, like, look. I guess maybe if it's a younger guy, like a really young guy, and you think that, like, you might not, you might say, hey, you know, if Brady, if Brady only has one or two years in him, I, I don't know, I, I, I probably would still go with Brady any day. I could but, bet, but that's, I it, bet I could bet money on what team it was too. I bet it was the Rams. I bet it was the Rams. Uh, they had Jared, they had Jared Goff, who was their number one draft pick. And he's young. And he, we, and everybody knew like he was good. Like he's a good player. He's just not like. Every, like I don't, I don't know about you guys. Jared Goff to me just does not seem like he's going to end up being a top ten quarterback or Hall of Fame or anything. I could so see him reaching out to McVay and the team just going, you know what? We're just going to stick with Goff. He was our number one pick. He's a young guy. He got us to a Super Bowl, and then now they got Matthew Stafford. My issue with the entire thing of teams not wanting Tom Brady is, do you know how difficult it is? 
I mean, as Falcons fans, you guys know, you know how difficult I'm not, and I'm not taking a shot here. I'm just saying, you know how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl, and you're gonna say no to a guy that's won so many Super Bowls for a young guy. You don't know if this young guy's gonna pan out and win you any Super Bowls. But Tom Brady proved that in his first year, and he's playing hurt in his first year with a new head coach, a new football team. He goes to the playoffs, and not only does that, wins the freaking Super Bowl. Like you passed up an opportunity. To do something a lot of teams in the NFL haven't done. Unbelievable. It, it's it's crazy because, like, what Whit was saying earlier, like, Tom Brady kind of does this whole thing in his head that I was doing with Alabama earlier where it's like, hey, you know, they, they, they aren't talking about how we got eight returners coming back on defense. Like, Tom Brady's like, oh, oh, they think I'm old. They think I'm washed up. So I'm going to go win a Super Bowl with a torn MCL. That's number seven, baby. Well, that's our show. Thank you guys for listening. As always, we appreciate it. This week, we have our first five-star reviews of the week. Uh, our first one is from Rick James 1197 and uh, we do have one more, and this one's from A.Mo1998. We appreciate both of you guys for leaving a review, and for everybody else, if you guys want to shout out on the show, please leave us a five-star review or just some uh, helpful criticism for the show because we're always trying to get better. Send us any questions or topics that you want us to discuss in the show as well, and we'll be happy to include as much as we can. Hope you guys have a great week. See y'all.